because you came to speak at my school in Minnesota. He says, and when you were done speaking at my school, you went to go speak at my mom's school. She's a teacher here. And after you spoke at her school, sir, she came and found me. He goes, I haven't seen my mom since I was two. He goes, I'm 18 years old and we're starting a relationship because of you. We need to learn to see each other. Warren and I are going to take over the show. So welcome everyone to Too Hard, Too Fast podcast. That's right. I got a new co-host. His name's Roy. What is Hey, going, going back to uh, you traveling uh, around the world, if you ever need a place to stay to or you want to come, come to West Texas, man. You're more than welcome. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm is, that, is that Odessa? Or Odessa? Odessa. Odessa. Which, which Odessa are we talking about? <laughs> hey, you're a single man, dude. There's a... Uh, um, there's a. Uh, uh, give me a second. Give me a second. There's a. Uh, <laughs> from from what I hear, there's no dating that you need to do. You just gotta show up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I do what? What? No, no, go ahead. Uh, hey, what? Um, going back to, uh, I guess, uh, just you uh, interacting with audiences, though. Um, I guess a couple questions I have, though, is like, has there ever? What t- has there ever been a time where man just something caught you off guard or some awkward moment or um, or like what's I guess something memorable from just going around so different I audiences? In, um, I was in the Tri Cities in Washington, which is Pasco, Richardson, and um, I can't think of the third one. There's three Tri Cities. It's and, okay. Uh, this is uh, too hard to fast, and we don't check facts. Okay. Okay. Well, there's three. <laughs> But I'm only going to give you two because I want you to do your research to go figure it out for yourself. Stop trying to get people to do everything for you. Exactly. <laughs> and if you find the answer, leave it on the comments. <laughs> and get the book but while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy a drink, you can buy the book. <laughs> well, um, I was in the Tri-Cities, and I had just finished speaking at a school. Um, and I had a line of kids, teenagers. They were waiting to talk to me. And I look off in the distance and there's one kid kind of hanging out, whatever. So we talk, he leaves the gym before I get to talk to him. So I'm like, okay. So I talk to everyone else. I'm packing up and he comes back when no one else is in the gym and he's crying. I said, you know, mijo, are you okay? And he says, you know, sir, um, my dad, he just got killed over the border in, in Mexico. We had went, we had went down to Mexico and they, and they ended up killing my dad. I was like, I'm so sorry. And he was like, and it's worse today because today's my birthday. Right. And so he's bawling and he, and I was like, you know, so I'm hugging him and he's like, sir, will you come to my birthday party? And I was like, hell yeah, I'll come to your birthday party. Where is it? So I show up and he's like, oh my God, you showed up. I'm like, yes, Mijo, you told me it was your birthday. Now where's the food? I can't even write for real. I can't even imagine what he went through. So that's one. Another one, I was in Minnesota. And after after my visit, I'm on Facebook, right? So I'm trying to, social media is big for me. So I try to keep up with, let everyone know what's happening in my life, personally and professionally, because I think that they need to see that I'm human too. 
when I have down days, you're going to, you're going to know that I have down days. And I have a lot of marketing people who are like, Roy, you're not supposed to do that. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what you think. Whoever's following me, they need to know that I'm human and that I'm like everyone else. And it's okay. We have bad days. We just got to keep pushing. But anyway, so I'm, I'm there and this chat pops up and it was some kid who said, Hey, sir, I just want to thank you. I said, you're welcome. Closed out the chat, right? I don't even know. <laughs> so then, <laughs> and, what he's saying. <laughs> back up, and he's like, you don't even know what I'm thanking you for. I was like, oh yeah, Mijo, you're right. I'm so sorry. What are you thanking me for? Right? Because I was working too. And so he was like, I'm thanking you because you came to speak at my school in Minnesota. He says, and when you were done speaking in my school, you went to go speak in my mom's school. She's a teacher here. And after you spoke at her school, sir, she came and found me. He goes, I haven't seen my mom since I was two. He goes, I'm 18 years old and we're starting a relationship because of you. And that's why I'm thanking you. And by this point, I'm over here crying. I'm like, Miho, I'm so excited for you. Please tell me how it goes. And yeah, so that was, that was an awesome one. Uh, how awesome. long ago was that? That had to have been, I was on my Homeless by Choice tour. So that had to have been about, that one was about eight years ago. Wow. Have you kept in touch or do you know what I, happened? Eh, there's so many. Yeah. I get a lot, a lot of messages. A lot, is that, is that, oh, hey, I'm glad you answered your mind then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, is that, that tour, is, that's the Homeless by Choice, is that the same one from the book or like you had multiple tours? Oh, yeah. That's how everything got started, was that so, tour. And you started it like, okay, in the book, spoiler alert, you started it with, and you had no money, like you no paying for it. I think I put this in the book too. I had, I had money saved. And then a friend of mine, who I, I was scared to go on this tour by myself, right? I had this great idea that I was going to live out of my car. I'd live homeless one more time. I crossed the country. I'd speak for free, try to inspire as many kids as possible. And then I'd go work in corporate America make a lot of money and never be homeless again. And the tour was just a way to give back in honor of every person who had ever fed me, housed me, clothed me. So I'm scared to do this tour that I came up with in my brain, um, actually from a dream. And um, I convinced my buddy to come from Abilene, Texas, at this time, I'm living in Vegas to, to go. I don't think I mentioned Vegas earlier. I was living in Vegas. So I said, hey, um, come with me on this tour. It's a once in a lifetime of that opportunity, blah, 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 blah. So he says, cool. So he comes to Vegas. It's like two weeks before we're going to leave on this tour. And one of my really good friends is getting married in Biloxi, Mississippi. So he, I'm going to be the best man. So I say, hey, man, I'll be back. I'm going to go for the weekend. I'm going to go stand in this wedding, come back, and we'll continue to get ready for the tour. When I'm in Biloxi, I'm at the after reception, the after party reception, and my phone's ringing, right? And I'm like, it's kind of late. Wonder, so, and it's, it's my friend back home in Vegas. And I'm like, it's like three o'clock in the morning. And so I answer it. I'm like, hello. And all, I, all he's saying is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, what are you sorry about? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, Alan, what are you sorry about? He says, I, I, I took your car out on the strip and I crashed it. And I'm like, oh my, like, why were you even driving my car? Like, you have your own truck. Like, why would you take my car to go party? You should have taken your truck, right? So he crashed my car. So the money I had saved for this tour went to fix my car 
before we even took off on this tour. So we had nothing in the bank account for the tour. Yeah, I, man, I, when I was reading that part in the book, I was like, no, no, come on, come on, for real? Some of the worst rainstorms, some of the worst <laughs> rainstorms in LA history. I know, it never, when does it rain in LA? <laughs> like the trunk was broken in and I couldn't get that fixed until like two weeks later when we were going to be passing through Vegas on the tour that I can get it fixed then. So in, in the rains, everything in the trunk was drenched, drenched. It was. So here's one thing I wanted to ask, and this is more, this is more outside uh, your life. Uh, this is more, also, this is more like us right here, like the podcast, social media stuff. Like people may not want to hear this and it's okay. We're going to go back to your story. But uh, when I was reading your book and you were looking for sponsorships for the tour, I wanted to know, and I was, I wish I could talk to him right now because I want to know what is going on in his head that he thinks he can get a sponsorship right off the bat. Like, because, you know, just me and Worm doing this podcast, like we've had some talks, but come on, we're still, we're still growing. Right. So I wanted to know, like, maybe you had something in the bag or what, what was going on? What I thought, why I thought I would, could get a sponsor. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're doing a good thing. And I think that's, that's what all I had. I thought, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be doing a great thing. It's going to be helping kids. Uh, I'll be reaching a lot of people. Um, people will obviously get behind this because it's, it's good. And that was furthest from the truth. No, all the way around, all the way around. It was, it was so difficult. Um, but I think honestly, I think it was meant for, at least for me, I think it was meant to be that way. Because when I met that kid in South Central LA at Oshi High School, the kid who wanted to know, why are you here? What he was really asking was, are you here for me? Or are you here because you're banking off of this? And so when I was able to look at that kid in the face and say, look, man, you want to know the truth? I have $16 in my pocket and bro, I don't even know where I'm sleeping tonight. That told this kid that I was there for him. And it changed the way that he received the message. And he gave me this hug. And, and I, after, after that, after he walked away, I thought, you know what? I don't need sponsors. I can do this. I've been homeless before. I didn't know how expensive and how hard it was going to be. But I think at least for me, it was meant for me to go that route. Because if I walked in and there's nothing wrong with getting sponsors, please don't get me wrong. As of now, I charge for everything and I don't apologize for charging and I don't apologize for making money because I, I do good work and I'm not going to apologize. And I, I've, earn my stripes doing it. I lived out of my car for two and a half years on a tour that, was, that wasn't funded by anyone. It was money that I had to figure out how to raise. So, and it ran me over $200,000. Like that's insane. Um, but I think that it was meant to do it that way to show the kids that I was working with. Like, it's not about that. It's about you. But now I need to raise money to create opportunity. I need to raise money so that, so that I can reinvest and so that I can, take that money to reinvest and get bigger so I can have a bigger reach for young people. But the first one I think was meant to be that way. And I agree. I think anybody that's successful or any, anybody that has been successful, whether they're doing a for-profit or non-profit, they always talk about doing the, doing the free stuff, doing right. the stuff that eventually you should get paid for but doing it for free to show like, 
you're real. You're a real deal. If you're right off the bat, if you're doing it for the money, you're not doing it for the right reason. Yeah. And, and you're not going to last. Like you wouldn't, if yeah. you if you were doing it for the money, this Roy Juarez Jr. would not last. Right. I agree. Because there were times on the tour that I'm just like, crap, can it get any harder? Like, really? Really? Come on. Like, there was one time, and I, I don't know if I put it in the book. And the reason I keep saying that is I have so many stories that I talk about and I share on stage that not all of them made it in the book. So I, Because I have a second book coming. So that's why I didn't put them all in the first. So I'm like, I don't know which one's in the book now. Uh, but anyway, so okay. I, I didn't finish the book, so you can say it that you put it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, the the coloring book's coming out soon. You'll do really well. There you go. <laughs> but I can't color in between the lines, though. So no. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want you to. Screw that. Um, so I'm on the tour. I make it to San Antonio. Okay, my sister is living um, right by John Jay High School off Marbach. And um, so I, I pull in. I'm super the tired. Marbach haircut or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm super tired, whatever, right? And every time I go to San Antonio, I always go see my parents at their church because they're ministers, my adopted parents, because they're ministers. But if I go there, I know my biological mom will be there. My aunt will be there. My grandma will be there. Everyone goes. So I'm going to see my parents the next morning. I go to bed. I wake up because my sister comes in the room and she goes, hey, Roy, she goes, did your car have a radio? I'm like, what do you mean my car has a radio? Yeah, my car has a radio. She goes, well, it doesn't anymore. Like, I was like, what? She goes, yeah, they broke into your car, right? And like, <laughs> I go outside and sure enough, someone broke into my car, right? And they jacked my radio and I'm pissed, right? Because I'm just like, really? Really, God? Like, wait, wait, wait. Good. I gotta ask. I gotta ask you. What year was this? Uh, this was um, two thousand. I want to say two thousand eleven. Two thousand, and you're still getting your radio, dude. <laughs> and, and what was it in the nineties? In the nineties, they have that that one thing you pop out and you take it with you. <laughs> but I didn't take it out. Oh, okay. So it's my fault it got stolen. I tempted someone with my stereo. <laughs> like, Look at my stereo. You ain't got hey, just joking. So, so I'm like, man, God, really? Like, I'm trying to do a good job, a good deed here. And I relied on my stereo because it was only me on the tour at that point. So that's how I made all my calls. That's how I had my music so that I can keep me awake. You know, it was my lifeline. And so I'm like, damn. So whatever. So I need to go, go see my parents at church. And so I go take off to the church and, and, um, I don't even know where that story was going. All I know is they stole my radio. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. I know. I remember. And that's you, what we call going too hard too fast. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's called be, being 40. <laughs> no, let me tell you. So let me tell you what, what happened. This is crazy. So I leave, right? The street. And as I, to go to church, and as I go the wrong direction, I come to the stop sign, I take a right, it had just rained the night before. And as I'm driving, I see this little old lady in a wheelchair, and she's pushing herself, right? So she's like going through this puddle or whatever. So I go around and pass her up, and I keep going. And when I look in my rearview mirror, and I see her, you know, still pushing and struggling, I thought, wow, Roy, wow. How many, how many people in life just passed you up like that? 
you see someone in need and without a doubt, you just go around and keep driving. You, that was you as a child and you just did the same thing, right? So my self-talk was like, I'm going to church, right? So I put my car in park, I get out and I'm approaching the lady and I don't want to scare her. So I'm like, hi, ma'am, from a distance. And I'm like, uh, can I help you in any way? And she goes, uh, I, she goes, I'm trying to get to the HEB on the other side of, of, of 410 on Marbach. And I was like, oh, like that's not easy. That's not easy. Get there. She's in the neighborhood and she's going the wrong direction. But I didn't think of any of that at the moment, right? I just thought, uh, there's no way she's going to make it. And I was like, uh, can I give you a ride? And she's like, yeah. So I get her in my car, put her wheelchair in my trunk, take her to HEB. I'm dropping her off at HEB and I wave down an employee. I'm like, she's going to need some help shopping. And the lady's like, hey, okay, I'll help her. And then she was like, well, how is she getting back? I was like, oh, well, I, I didn't even think about that, right? Like, I don't know, call Uber. Uber didn't exist back then. But, uh, so I was like, I don't know. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, let me park. So I park, get out, help her get her things real quick. We get back in the car and I'm running late now to go see my parents. And my dad's the type of man that like he wants you on time. And so I said, I look over and I said, Miss Sanchez, because I've learned her name by now. I said, ma'am, I said, look, I was on my way to see my parents. I will be honest with you. They're, they're ministers of a church. I'm really late. Would you mind coming with me? And she's like, okay, I'll, I'll go with you. I said, okay, great. So now we're taking off to the church. It was on 1604 in Marbach, in big country area. <laughs> so we're going. Way, way out of her uh, comfort zone. <laughs> over, and she's crying. And I'm like, Ms. Sanchez, are you okay? Like, I'm not kidnapping you. Like, maybe there was a language barrier because she spoke all Spanish. Like, I was like, Ms. Sanchez, it's Fabian. Like, like, you're okay? And she said, um, I don't know what I'm going to do. She said, I'm not from this country. She goes, my oldest son doesn't talk to me, and my youngest son is drug addicted. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, Ms. Sanchez, I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I'm just visiting uh, but maybe my parents can help you. So we pull up to the church and sure enough, my dad's outside because he knows I'm in town. He's waiting outside of the church uh, while service is happening inside. So I park up front and I, I'm getting her wheelchair out and he's looking at me and I put her in the wheelchair and I'm pushing her up the ramp and he's still looking at me. And as I walk by, I'm like, hey, meet your daughter-in-law, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. That's my sugar mom. <laughs> That's my sugar mama. There you go. I have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I take her in the I take her into the sanctuary, park her there, leave her there, and I come back out and I start telling my dad what happened, what she said. And so my dad's like, "Okay, well, we can pick up an offering." And it kind of that kind of triggered me at first, and I was like, "Really, Dad? You're gonna throw money at the situation?" I said, "How many people are in that sanctuary? If everyone just cut her yard once." They could do it like once every five years, you know? And I said, and I go, no, I get what you're saying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think only because I, 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 I don't know what I wanted. I don't know what I wanted for them to do. I just felt like there was something more we could do anyway. So they pick up an offering, pick up all this money. I give it to uh, Ms. Sanchez. We're driving back and she's crying again. And I'm like, ma'am, I said, are you, are you okay? She said, Ladies, this is enough. <laughs> you want the chunkla? You want the chunkla? 
You want to cry? I'll give you something to cry for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. But it's like, <laughs> you want something to cry I'm about? Promoting <laughs> abuse. I am simply reliving things that were said to me as a child. Okay. I'm not promoting abuse. Okay. And we, we all had that abuela. Yeah. yeah. You want to cry? I'll give you something to cry for. No, no, no. Why are you crying? <laughs> oh, um, man. So, she's, I, I'm like, why are you crying? Like, for real, though. Why are you crying? And so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, so, all right. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, she <laughs> says, um, if my son's home, will you talk to him? I said, I would, I would love to talk to your son. She goes, but you need to understand something. She goes, I was never there for him. I said, you know, Miss Sanchez, we all make mistakes. She goes, you don't get it. She goes, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't there for him. I wasn't a good mom. And I, so we strolled the rest of the way in silence, right? So we, sure enough, we pull up. Her sidewalk is all kind of cracked and broken. So I'm kind of pulling her up to her door. And then there's like a step. So I have to pull her up and into the house, right? And I'm making all this noise, right? Because, I mean, she wasn't the smallest. You know, so I'm like, <laughs> right? And so, <laughs> and she's like, wait here. So she rolls herself to the hallway and she starts yelling, Jose, Jose, which is her son. Well, I know her older son doesn't talk to her. I know her younger son is drug addicted. And so I'm just like, oh crap. So I'm standing in the door frame with one foot in the house, one foot outside the house. My car is right there because I'm just like, you know, I don't know this woman. I don't know her son. And I'm just like, Chilling, like, crap, what's going to happen? So her son comes out from around the corner. He's shirtless, fully tatted, even in his face, right? So I'm like, mm -hmm. and so uh, he was like, what's up? I was like, hey, what's up, man, right? I dropped my voice and everything. <laughs> I was like, what's up, man? He's like, so uh, thanks for taking care of my mom. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, bro, no problem. And uh, I, I took it to church, took it to eat, bring it home. He's like, yeah, thanks. And then his mom goes, I know. I want you to talk to him about the drugs, right? And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> so I was like, hey, bro, you know what? What you do is your business. I said, well, let me tell you what I do. So I started to tell him, I go, I'm currently on this Homeless by Choice tour. And I started telling him about real quick about my life and the tour and what I'm trying to do. And he kind of seemed like annoyed and a little angry. And uh, he was like, you want to know something? He goes, these people, and he's pointing to his mom. He goes, we're never here for me. He was, as a matter of fact, he goes, when I was three, my dad put diesel in the bottle, but it didn't kill me. He was in that woman. She has never been here for me. And he goes, yeah, he goes, so I break into cars to make money. And at that moment, I was like, you mother. I was hey, like, hey, your radio. I was like, because my car was broken into the night before. Oh, okay. Yes, that was your radio? Where I'm standing. And so for him to say, so I break into cars to make money. I was like, it was you. It was you, right? But then I'm like, Roy, there's a bigger reason for this. Bigger reason. Right? No, no, no. Give me my radio back right now. <laughs> so I could go. I need it. <laughs> I need to listen to my Ed Sheeran right now. <laughs> but I was like, what are the odds, right? I can't, I can't say that, that, that it was him, 
But why would you say that? Oh, yeah, it's just a, a weird coincidence. Money. When I'm standing in the door frame talking to you and my car is right behind me and you say that and my car was broken into the night before. So then I was like, you know what, man? I said, I hear you. I said, I, I, I get it. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, maybe they sucked as parents. I said, I get that. I said, then my question is, why are you giving them your future too? Why, Jose? And then it changed. And he was like, can I tell you something? I say, anything, man. He says, I'm out on bond. He goes, I face murder charges in two weeks. I said, bro, I don't even want to know if you did it. All I know is, is I, I'm trying to tell you is that you need to stop giving people your future. I said, if they suck their parents, don't give them your future. That's what I'm talking about when I say that we're puppets in other people's brokenness and we don't take the time to figure out who we are, where we want to go in life and adopt those core set of values that we apply to every situation so that we can be who we want to be, not what someone else has created us to be. So I said, you know what? I don't even want your number, man. I said, I'm going to give you my number. I said, because if you want help, then you'll reach out to me, not the other way around. Never heard from him again. I have no idea what happened to him. I have no idea what happened to Ms. Sanchez. The, the next time I, I came to San Antonio, I went by that place. It was empty. Uh, you didn't get your radio back? Never got my radio back. You didn't ask him, like, hey, were you the one that uh, did this? <laughs> I, nah. Oh man, you could always you could always transform to break that break that seriousness, dude. But for real though, like really, really, and but you know that's what I'm saying. Like, if I would have gotten stuck on why something happened, I might have missed an opportunity. I might have missed an opportunity if I would have gotten stuck in that moment. You know, I knew that I was gonna be able to make money to to get another radio. I I could get ten radios. You know. I only get one chance with him, one, yeah. and I don't want to waste it. So, I mean, the good part is you don't know what impact you you might have had. He might have not reached out, but I mean, hopefully. And, and we all play a role. We all play a role in someone's development. Like he might have heard that, and then wherever he went next, if he's locked up, maybe someone else is going to pick up or on the same message where I left off. Who knows? You just planted the seed. Yeah. You just planted the seed. Don't give them your future. Oh, um, there it is. Yeah. Well, and there you go. You have to go buy this book. Um, well, George, you can just skip chapter nine now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to skip any chapters. I promise you Hey, you, you know that. what? Let's I'm just do your audio book right here. I'm too hard, too fast. Let's let's start with chapter one. Let's do it. We'll do the speed version, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we're done. Are we done? I don't want to be done. It's up to you. I'm. I don't, I'm enjoying. It, I'm. I'm enjoying this conversation. I almost. I almost want to say that I. You're my favorite. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going there again. <laughs> <laughs> he, he says that to all of them. He says that to every guest. So. No, you really are. Um, well, I have. I do have some other. I do have some other questions, but it's not necessarily specific to your book. I just. I, I guess want your thoughts and stuff. If that's okay. Sure. All right. So, I mean, and, and I don't know how much you look into this. I don't know where this is going, Roy. I mean, this could go <laughs> real weird real quick. <laughs> but you know what? Worm does have the best questions. Uh, <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. All right. Let's hear He says it. that about every question I ask. <laughs> <laughs> Keep digging that bitch, man. I can't get out of it. Well, but no, uh, well, just, and it's just in regards to homelessness. Um, I guess kind of uh, looking into like policies and our government and stuff. Is there, 
if you feel comfortable uh, addressing or speaking your mind on this, like, is there any cities that you, that you feel like, man, they're doing the worst job when it comes to homelessness? And then is there some cities where you could say, man, they're doing the they're doing the best job to address homelessness? And it maybe not may, may not be maybe the city government or the state government. It could be um, nonprofits or even churches um, or shelters. Well, what I would say is in terms of homelessness, what many people don't realize is that there's many levels to homelessness. So you have like the street person, you have a couch surfer, um, you have someone who bounces from hotels to hotels to hotels. Um, according to McKinney Vento and in schools, because I, I primarily work with homeless kids. And the reason is that homeless youth, that's where I focus. There are so many variables when it comes to adult homelessness, that uh, before you before you keep going, I'm sorry, I don't I don't want to cut you off, but I, just for anyone that is listening, the McKinney Vento is a term that's used for students that are considered homelessness. For anybody that doesn't know, I know that because I am a teacher and I deal with that. But I just want to let people know what that means because yeah, great, even people who are working at schools don't even know what that means. Yeah, more and very, and very quick, they think they have homeless. That's the crazy thing. I've been in some districts they are like, oh, we don't really have a problem with homelessness here. I'm like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. So I didn't mean to cut you off, and uh, I just wanted to make sure people Wait, knew. George, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> <laughs> George doesn't. Sorry. I don't know how you've been married so long. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't need to. I'm real lucky. <laughs> She, she learned how to deal with my issues. <laughs> well, um, She's a good woman. That's, that's awesome. Sure. That's awesome. No, um, so there's many, I focus on youth homelessness because for me, adult homelessness, there's so many different layers uh, from mental illness to addiction that I think that I can serve the best when it comes to youth because more times than not, it's not a choice. It, it was a choice made for them by someone else. And so that's where I focus. And so when I focus on that, there is the couch surfer. And that's mainly where I, that's mainly where I lived in my homelessness was a couch surfer, someone who moves from couch to couch to couch to couch. Uh, you have the families that are doubled up. It's considered homeless. You have any kid that's displaced that's not with their set parents or guardian and they're constantly moving. So like even if they're, if they're living with grandma for a little bit, then they go to Diaz, uh, their tia, their aunt. I couldn't translate Thea in my brain so fast. I was like, Thea, what is that? Thea. <laughs> and, and, and my head, I was like, I, I know what he's talking about. Because yeah. <laughs> that's how we are. And so um, that would all be categorized as homeless. Now, I've seen some amazing things out out there. Uh, great programs. Uh, I think of Vegas. I think of Project 150. They're doing a lot of great work for, for homeless youth. Um, but then I think of other communities where they're blinded to the idea that they even have issues are homeless in their district. And I think that a lot of times it's because they, they need to show face. They wanna, they wanna appear as though they're living that great life that they don't have issues and that's furthest from the truth. Mm. In, in 2009, 2010, excuse me, when I started the Homeless by Choice Tour, there was an estimated 1.6 million homeless kids in this nation. Right before the pandemic, there was an estimated 2.5 million. We went the complete opposite direction. 2.5 million. Now, I, I have no idea what, what the numbers are now, especially during this pandemic. I have no idea. But the sad thing is, even kids 
even kids who, who used school as a way to have something that was a constant, a place to go, they don't have that anymore. A place to eat, they don't have that anymore. And then I think about the kids who have a house, but they don't have a home. So technically they're homeless too. So it's just how you want to break this up. So even the numbers you would say are, so even though it may, you, they may report 2.5 million, that's probably underreported then, right? right? So there may be a lot more. Back in, back in, uh, right in 2010, roughly around that time frame, in Houston ISD, I remember, or maybe a little before that, um, there was a, the homeless liaison, uh, Dr. Messiah, and he had said, we have 4,000 homeless kids here in, 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 Houston, in the Houston ISD. He said, 90% of that number is our middle school and high school kids. I mean, excuse me, our elementary kids, because we can't find the middle school and high school kids, because it becomes a hidden minority. Because you don't want to be identified as homeless because you don't know what you don't know and you're ashamed when there's no, you shouldn't have to be ashamed because it's not your fault, but you don't want to be different from other kids because you're dealing with all these other things as a teenager that you're telling me that 90% of that was elementary. So that number is much larger. The flowering branch in, in um, um, Georgia, I love the flowering branch. And I, every time I would pass through there on my tour or in the area, I would always go there and spend time with the kids. I haven't been there in a while. I haven't been to Georgia in, in quite some time. So people. What, what, what is that? It's a, it's a, sorry. Uh, Flowering Branch is a, um, is a uh, sh uh, home for kids. I, I'm glad you mentioned that like even kids that live at home with their parents um, can even be considered homeless because, you know, even, even if the parents are trying and doing their best. And I think as a teacher, you you see both sides of the spectrum of like where kids can come from and you know you're dealing with so much you have so many kids and you want to do the best or you start off the year you want to do the best for everybody but you don't know the kid's situation ever and we get so many trainings on dealing with different backgrounds but we're not the best at recognizing when something is not the best. Right. I, I, I think I'm in a lucky situation where I teach life skills. So my students are like, they have disabilities that are, are severe and I can see where they're coming from, what's happening. But teachers that have 26 kids plus, it's hard to see what they're dealing with and, to listen to them and really like as much as they care. Uh, so I can see like you as a student or that kid you talk to in LA or South Central LA, how they fall through the cracks and they can just lie through their way. Like, or not lie in a bad way, but hide. Hide. Uh, yeah. Become invisible because exactly. growing up in the, in the streets, I've learned that if you're invisible, you're safe. And if you're invisible, you stay longer. And so you have to be invisible. But if you don't unlearn that, then you become invisible your entire life. So you don't get promoted. You don't date the person you want to date. You know, you, you don't venture out because you have to, you've learned to become invisible and you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be invisible. I do, I, I do it from a different perspective. Like I, I'm doing it from the special needs. It's like you don't have to, you don't have to be invisible, as you say, just because you are, you're autistic. 
you'll you have Down syndrome. You have like whatever you have is not you. Like you are you, and and I think you're gonna hear me end the podcast with saying, "Hey, Derby, you Derby weird," and that came from child with autism who cried to me saying they're calling me weird. They're calling me weird. And it was like, eventually I was like, dude, you know what? You are weird. You are weird. You have things that are weird about you. You do things that are weird. But guess what? Me, I have things that are weird about me. The only thing, the only thing that's different from me, from you and that bully is that that bully and me, we learn to hide our weirdness. Exactly. We learn to hide our weirdness. You don't have to learn to hide your weirdness. Keep yep. your weirdness and just do it. And then and then that's where this whole thing came about. Like, I want to promote, just be weird and be okay. Be okay with being you. Right. And so I think when um, you were talking about the invisible thing in your book, I was like, this is exactly what I'm saying. Like, right. you don't have to hide. You don't have to be invisible. But that's one. it's easy to say you don't have to. It's harder to pull it out from someone. Right. And, and I think that's why we're like educators and myself, we're on the same team because I get to come in, share a very powerful story, share a message that reaches into their hearts and allows them to come out of the shadows so that we can help them. And so I've had a lot of like counselors who are like, oh my God, you just doubled my workload. I'm like, you're good. Congratulations. <laughs> like, now we know who they are so we can help. So... Because kids kids become invisible and they, they shouldn't be. We don't know how to help them if they, if they don't speak up. Exactly. And that's one thing I want to follow up. How, I mean, what's the best way to, I guess, address this issue? And, I mean, what little part can, can we each play in, in helping with this issue? Is it just simply being attentive and then trying to report something? or? And that's definitely one of them. I think that we get so busy in our everyday life because life is hard that we fail to notice those around us. You know, I had eight uncles and aunts. How do they miss five other nieces and nephews? I lived out of a bag for two and a half years. How do you not say, what happened, what happened to baby Roy? Where, I, haven't, I haven't seen baby Roy. Where's, where's baby Roy at? How does that happen? We need to learn to see each other. Even paying attention to our family, our friends, just our own circle. And if we each pay attention to that, I think that could have a big ripple effect. And right. It's like, it's the teachers just like me when I get off stage and I'm hearing all this, the teacher has to go in there and they're dealing with all of these personalities, all these kids who don't know how to handle situations, who don't know how to express by using their words. So they turn to, to the only behavior that they've been modeled so yeah, teachers are freaking amazing, but there's also this thing called compassion fatigue and, and, and second, secondhand trauma. And so that's why I think teachers need to really take care of themselves as well because they're on the front line. There's, I don't know how many times I've come home and I've lashed out and it's like, oh man, I messed up and I, I all ask for apologies. And that's one thing I learned is like, I need to ask for apology. Yeah. Or I need to like, and not just ask for public, because you know what? A sorry only goes so far. Right. If you keep doing it, then it's not sorry anymore. It's just, right. it's just your cop out. 
Um, But with my wife, I told her, I've lashed out and I messed up and I said, okay, I'm sorry. And then when I do it again, I was like, you know what? Or when I feel like I'm going to do it again, I say, hey, I think I'm just emotionally drained right now. I've dealt, and she knows how to pick them now with years. She knows, she knows, she can see it. She can see it happening right. in me. And it's either because like it's I'm dealing with. <laughs> What's that? Go ahead. She's like, it's his time of the month. <laughs> there you go. Thank, you. Yeah, there you go. Thank you for cutting. I was hoping somebody was going to cut the seriousness. I was like, this is getting too serious. Let's do this. Um, like, give him some ice cream. Let him try it out. <laughs> Chocolate, por favor. <laughs> but also, oh no, she'll know. She'll know. It's like, and I go, I'm emotionally drained. Like, I've, I've dealt with this student who's dealing with so much or abuse, whatever. I was like, I can't right. deal with it. Like, I, there's no way I know I'm sending this kid back home. Like, right. and, and at the same time, I don't know if it is or not. Like, I can only do so much reporting and all that. Right. And then, and then there's there's also this, like, am I supposed to do, do I report this? You know, like, and I know that as mandate reporters, like, there are certain things that you do report, but then it's like, am I, am I, am I looking into this too much? Am I not, you know, exactly. there's that fear. Because, exactly. like, they could have good parents, and I could be reporting them, and then I could just be messing them up. Not, not only that, but you can make it worse. And that's what's scary reporting it and nothing happens and now the kid really gets it because you spoke up like it's just like damned if you do and damned if you don't exactly hey man do you have a too hard too fast uh uh memory that uh you want to share with us or story? oh god his, ma- his manager would not let him share that. it doesn't have to be uh, about drinking it could be about anything too hard too fast i'm trying to think i'm trying to think but you know what i do share like in my my presentations of things that i i I grew up as a homeless kid, so I- Roy, we get it, Roy. You have a book. <laughs> I, I grew up as a homeless kid. Like, I'm not trying to plug, but I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just a little warm up in here. Yeah, I mean, it's like even a second one, but like- <laughs> Hey, tell us about, what's the second one? What's the second one? Let the it's called know. Four Steps to Not Allowing the Pandemic to Affect Your Home. Oh. A, emotionally and mentally, so. It's co- co-authored with uh, my mentor. And so I have hey, that one. When is that going to come out or is it out already? This one right now is online. I am working with a formatter so that I can make sure that all of this is correct and stuff so that it can come out as well in actual print. Um, and in about two months, I'm, I have my children's book that's coming out. So. What kind of, what kind of yeah. children? <laughs> it's, <popped up. laughs> it's like, it pops up and it's like, you pull this and you see me running and you pull the other one and my dad's chasing me. (laughs) (laughs) Bad joke, dad, I love you, dad, I'm joking. Should we cut cut that out or just leave it? No, leave it. He knows what I do. He knows what I do, I I love my dad. You know, he's he's a good man, he just, he was broken. He's still broken and it's okay. I love you. So you're like you're hardcore in contact with them still? Hardcore. Are you like um we we don't have like a close relationship like the way that my mother and I have, my biological mom. We're extremely close. I'll call her every week for sure. I'll I'll, I'll call my mom. Um 
my dad and I will talk maybe like once every two months. Okay. So when my mom, my mom really like texted me like three times during this podcast. That's hilarious. No, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, me and my mom are very I'm, close. I'm, I'm, right, mom? I just like, <laughs> <laughs> come here, come here. <laughs> no, no. So like, I, I do love him. I love him very much. Matter of fact, you know, what's crazy is that uh, my aunt, my, uh, my, my dad's sister, uh, she called me one day. I hadn't talked to my aunt in a long time. And uh, she goes, baby Roy. I'm like, yeah, Thea, uh, Andrea. She's like, yeah. She was, she was, um, I wanted to call you because I just finished reading your book. I said, oh, I said, um, I, I hope you enjoy. She goes, you know, I'll be honest. It's not what I thought it was going to be. She goes, I honestly thought you were going to bash my brother, my dad. Um, she goes, and I am just... Um, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly the words. She said, I, I love what you wrote and how you wrote it. She goes, I never knew what you talked about. And I'm sorry for that. She says, but I'm going to have my daughter read it. I'm going to have my son read it. She said, and I, I just want to say that, you know, I'm sorry for, for thinking any other way, but it was not what I expected because it's not, it's not about that. Like, and that's another thing is we assume way too much on what we think the other person thinks or, or how they're going to respond without ever truly knowing. And we miss opportunities because of that, because of, of our assumptions. We should reach out to people. If you're listening, we should reach out to people that we may have negative things against. Right. Because and it doesn't we mean you don't have know. to have a relationship with these people. But I just think that, when you have bad blood or anger or hatred towards someone, it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Like, I don't know. I have a cousin who, who hates me and I'm like, that's your issue. It's not mine. Like, I'm not going to own your issues and it's whatever. I don't care. So like in the documentary, so like when my sister Tammy was talking about when I was a kid and I was getting picked on in middle school, like, those are not my battles to fight. Like, I'm not going to entertain you to fight these battles. Someone else will do it for me. Like, I don't need to. Just, yeah. not and it could be I... for a, an array of things. It could be for the fact that I remind you of something. Or, or like, for example, when my stepdad, my stepdad, my adopted dad, when I was in high school, when I moved in with the, the ministers who took me in, um, I was a third-year freshman, right? So I dropped out of high school. So in order to live with them, I had to go back to school. Whenever my mom, my adopted mom, would drive me to school, her and I would have a conversation the entire way to school. If my adopted dad drove me, I just stared out the window. He did nothing to me, but he was a man, and he reminded me of my father. So I was taking it out on him, and he did nothing to me. And so people are going to dislike, we're, we're not perfect. I've made a ton of mistakes and I've let people down. I've hurt people. I apologize, but I'm not going to apologize over and over and over again because I, I, I apologize to you once. If you accept it, great. If you don't accept it, then that's on you because I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to work at being a better person. And with that said, Roy, I love your story. I love everything that you're about. And I'm not even just saying that. I know from your story, you don't believe that. 
But so I, honestly, I think you've touched me in a way. Hey, I'm, I'm being sincere. Like, I'm 100%. You. you have touched me in a way. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's you let's elaborate on that. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you have made an impact in a way. There you go. Much better way to say it. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, I went too hard too fast with that statement, and I regret it, but I don't at the same time. So with that said, Roy, I appreciate you coming on this podcast. We would love to have you back on at any time. Hey, you yeah, got a second book coming back on. Let's talk about it. I won't read it because I read slow. <laughs> uh, you have a third book. You have uh, something else, anything. You want to talk about anything, we want you back on here. Awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank uh, you. And we, hope, we hope that you want to come back on. Do I, do I have to respond? I just I had a great time. We can definitely do this again. Perfect. Awesome. Hey, Amen. No, for real. Uh, I'm going to keep following you. This is awesome. I hope somebody got something from this that they can take on and even take further, maybe reach out to you or just read your book. Like, I really think, I didn't even get through this whole book and it already made an impact in me. I really appreciate it. Like, I don't know what to say that will make more of an impact than I really appreciate you being on here. I appreciate you telling your story. That's it. That's well, it. thank you. I truly appreciate that. When you get to the other parts of the book and you'll know what I'm talking about, let me know. Let me know what you're Hey, I'm going to reach out to you. I think... I feel like I was bothering you every time I messaged you, but you if go. you think I was bothering you, I'm going to keep bothering you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where, where, do you, where do you want people to buy the book? I'm not even... I wasn't even no, no, I need to buy the book, man. Do You're you good. care? Amazon? Does it matter? Um, you said homeless my, by, uh, my, by my, web, my website would be best. You can go to homelessbychoice.com and, and just click on the story. It'll take you straight there. Homelessbychoice.com. Uh, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about it, uh, and I'm I gotta finish writing the the next one, and you'll see what I'm talking about when you get to the end of the book. Why I say that? So, where can somebody follow you? What's your socials? All my social media is my name. So if you're looking on Instagram, it's Roy Wattis Jr. Facebook, Roy Wattis Jr. Twitter, Roy Wattis Jr. Everything is at Roy Wattis Jr. R-O-Y-J-U-A-R-E-Z. JR. <laughs> we'll put it hey, on I was born and raised in El Paso. Juarez is right there, man. That's I, right. Yeah. Hey, we'll put it on here. Where that high tech will put the, the name <laughs> on. With that said, another podcast down the drain. Remember, dare be you, dare be weird. Worm, what are you going to say? Screw the pandemic. Four steps not to allow the pandemic uh, to affect your home. Go get the book. That's right. Well, right. go get the that one's on Amazon. You can find that one on Amazon. Amazon. There you go. Screw the pandemic. That's right. All right. Well, another podcast down the drain. Bye.